When I was young, I was just getting by. No silver spoon. My dreams, they get me reaching for the sky. Hot air balloon. So now that I'm here, I no longer appear in the eye of the storm. So shoot all your feelings and throw all your spears like a lion or roar. It took work, yeah, it took work to prove my worth. It was worth that work to build my worth. Come out first, yeah, it took work. Like, if it's not Challenge or Star Wars or Dragon Ball, why are you sending it to me? Yeah. I don't understand. I'll even let, like, Survivor and BB pass, but, like... And that's it, motherfucker. Sorry. I mean, maybe, like, some animals, like, funny, like, animal facts, though, like the the one guy. I don't know his name. He's just the one guy. Oh, the dude from TikTok? The TikTok TikTok animal guy. So, I was thinking about this, and... It's completely unplausible, but if we ever make it big and we can afford it, I want Samuel L. Jackson to do our intro. (laughs) Ricky motherfucking Hayes. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm excited about talking about talking to Davis today. I know Davis. I am too. I know Davis didn't get a lot of a lot of airtime. He only did three seasons. Uh, mostly known for you know the shenanigans on Real World Denver, but I'm excited not just about his MTV time, but really more than anything, I'm excited about his his music. I want to talk to him about that. I want to talk to him about his music, and I want to talk to him about his life too. Like I want to know more about Davis because I feel like. I feel like, you know, obviously he really like kind of broke through on real world Denver, which, you know, we'll break into, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I know that he lived a very kind of conservative childhood, but I know that he also realized that he was gay and came out decently young. So I really want to talk to him about that, his music. I'm honestly like, I want to know about his time on MTV. But I am more excited to learn about his real life. And like you said, his music that he's doing now, I was actually really impressed when you actually played it because like, I don't know, like you hear about, you know, like, I mean, we live here in Reno. And so obviously, like, you know, we have like underground musicians Mm -hmm. here and then we're very close to like the Bay Area where they have a lot of underground rap and, you know, Washington and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, when you hear about like a an underground artist or like an, you know, an up and coming artist. It's like, it could go either way. You know, they could either have really good music or it could be mediocre or it could be shit. But I was actually really impressed with his. I don't know. I don't know why I like when you said he made music, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when I heard it, I was like, wait, wait, (laughs) wait, this is Davis. Davis made this. Like what? Like, and that's what I told him. Like, I was like, dude, this is, this is not my typical listen. Like, I'm not usually into pop slash, uh, like, I guess it'd be kind of like a club beat. It's, it's pop. Yeah, it's definitely pop music. It's a pop club song. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds a little bit me, of house it in rem- it. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of, like, something you would hear at, like, a festival. Like, a music festival. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I could picture... It just playing and all these lights and people just jumping and having fun. Like, it's so cool. If you guys are listening to this right now, the song that you heard is the intro is Davis's song. And we'll have everything linked below. Fire. Yeah. So fire. And obviously, he's got other songs. This was just the one that, you know, really spoke to us and obviously really speaks to him. Once you listen to the lyrics, you'll kind of understand why. But yeah, I was just really thoroughly impressed. And it's good music. And I was also reading, I didn't, I wasn't aware he's in Nashville currently. Yes. Yeah. So he, 
I saw something um, where he was talking about, you know, loving. I, I think he just posted it on his Instagram either like today or yesterday. But it was like, you know, this is why I love living in Nashville because of the pop culture music and blah, blah, blah. And super cool. I'm really excited. It's a good song. And obviously yeah. we'll link it so you guys can all check it out. It's it's definitely worth it. Hello. Hello. Oh. Hey. hey. <laughs> you got you caught me. I was right in the middle of like I haven't watched a real world Denver since it aired. And uh so I'm like going through reading a quick synopsis of it and it's like triggering my memory on all a lot of these. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that was such a wild season. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> welcome ab- <laughs> w- welcome aboard, by the way, Davis. Sorry. <laughs> um Davis, my name's Rick. We've been going back and forth on Instagram. Uh this is my wife Karina. Hi, Karina. Thank you so much for taking the time to hop on with us. We really do appreciate it. Of course. I appreciate it. So. Yeah, yeah. We're excited. <laughs> we've been sitting here. We've been hanging out for a little bit, trying to record a little bit of an intro. And we were talking about your song and we'll kind of jump into it. I was telling Karina, I was like, it's it's not my typical like genre that I listen to. But like I listened to it once. I was like, wow, this is actually really freaking it's good. Really good. <laughs> so I wanted to like, you know, compliment you and say, you know, amazing job. Davis, I, I, I think uh, as great as you were on reality TV, you're you might be a better musician. <laughs> uh, I would rather be a better musician. <laughs> I think that's a great goal too. You know, yeah. So, um, Davis, just to kind of give you a heads up about us, I don't know if you've ever listened to our episodes. Um, we're re- actually relatively new, but um, so we call it the Challenge Fandom. Um, what we're doing is an episode of Challengers Unplugged. So most people know you as what they've seen from, you know, your 15 minutes of airtime on TV with the challenge and maybe a combined two hours of total airtime that was just Davis on the real world, right? But they don't know who you are. So that's why we call these episodes Challengers Unplugged is we want to kind of dive into who Davis is, uh, you know, what led you to the path of being on reality TV, your time on reality TV, and then obviously what you're working on now, what your goals, passions, all of that stuff is, if you've got the yeah. time for it, obviously. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Um, so first things first, um, before reality TV, you know, what what did you want to do? What was the goal before getting on MTV and all that? Yeah, I mean, during high school, I watched The Real World and I did want to go on. But I also was a big fan of the Backstreet Boys and wished I was a member of that group. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I was, uh, I, I was raised in a very musical family. All of my dad's brothers and my dad included can play the guitar and can sing. And so I was raised in that. And then I was put into a little kid's choir as a child. And I kept at it until high school. And I was in a acapella group where it was four guys and four girls. And when I went off to college and then when I did the real world, I saw some of those guys and girls pursue recording careers and get signed. And and some of them did Christian music and are still successful, like almost like really big names in Christian music. Oh, wow. Um, one of them, whose name is Christian Stanfield. Oh, I've heard of him. So if you listen to Christian music, people know who that is. The, he was yeah. probably the most successful and he was in my acapella group. So I watched him succeed in that. And after the real world ended, I was like, why didn't I go back to what it was I really wanted to do as a kid, which was something music related. Um, but in, but in my time on the real world, I wasn't during college, I didn't 
oh, I don't want to make this a super like tangential story, but during college I was pre-med and I was a business major. So I was like not really doing anything music. And when I got yeah. in the real world, it was my senior year of college. So I, and I kind of just like, I thought I was going to be a doctor. My, I have two doctors in the family, my grandfather being one and my uncle being the other. And so I thought, and I did actually really well in science. So I thought that was going to be my career, but music <laughs> was just still like, you know, I always sing and still do and just was never going to leave me. So I decided I'd pursue something in music. Dude, I love it. That's awesome. That's that really amazing. Is. I mean, it's one of those situations where, you know, you may be really good at certain things, but you know where your passion lies and to follow right. that. That's, you know, that's amazing. And, you know, not a lot of people get that opportunity. So, you know, congratulations on that. And on top of that, make some really great music as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, just kind of jumping back a little bit, I just want to clarify this because MTV kind of messes this up a little bit. Um, were you born in Georgia? I was. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah. And so kind of, and I know that we'll we'll get a little bit further into the um, the real world Denver, but I do remember when you started on the real world, you were talking about, you know, when you were growing up and that you were kind of at a younger age when you realized that you were gay and when you came out to your, to your parents. And so I just kind of wanted to ask about that, like, what was that like being, you know, kind of a younger kid and having to have that conversation with your mom? And I, you know, I also remember you said it didn't quite go over the the best way. So how did you kind of navigate through that? Yeah, I mean, my memory of this whole story, and I'm sure my mom's is a little different, but I feel like I told her when I was maybe as early as fifth or sixth grade, because I feel like I remember having a crush on a classmate that was a boy and didn't know what to do with those feelings. And I remember telling her that I had a crush on a boy. I remember her saying like, what do you mean you have a crush on a boy? Like, you don't want to kiss him, do you? And I remember in that conversation feeling that it wasn't something I should have said. And I remember backtracking and then really not talking about it again to her, but still living with that. That feeling. You know, that feeling for a long time. And I used a, like a journal as an outlet for to talking to someone else. Cause I didn't know, I didn't have anyone else to talk to. And in my high school years, like, I think I was a freshman in high school. I had gone away on like a uh, Christian mu music concert, like retreat. And when I came home, my mom had found that journal and had read through it oh. and then had told my grandfather who was a doctor, but he's a Christian psychiatrist. And then the decision was to sort of enroll me into Christian focused kind of gay therapy. Um, and I didn't feel like it was working because it wasn't taking away those feelings. So out of frustration, I think I kind of lied and said it worked just so they would take me out. Yeah. And uh, I went off to college and was, was actively dating girls in college, had sex with girls, um, but was still feeling same sex attractions and yeah. throughout college. And so it just like, wasn't really going away. Right. And then yeah. in my last year of college, I dated a guy and felt this sort of falling in love feeling I hadn't felt with the girls that I had dated in college and it came out after that relationship. Oh. Um, and so, you know, in today's society, you come out to your friends, they're of course going to be cool about it because it's such a accepted thing now. So my fear was to, you know, come back out to my very religious family and, and I had, you know, mixed reactions. I mean, I'd say my mom and dad didn't want it for me, but my brother and sister were pretty okay about it. Right. Um, and, you know, now here I am almost 
it's almost 20 years, not quite 20 years, maybe 15 years later from when I came out. So, um, my relationship with my parents has improved. They met this Christmas, a guy I'm dating and we're very kind to him. And, uh, he fits sort of like right into the family. My brother told me after meeting him that they think he's a good fit for me and they really like him for me. So like, there's been a lot of growth. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. I love that. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and I think you you bring up a really good point. It's like, you know, 15 years ago, I mean, I'm I'm 36. It doesn't feel like that long ago, right? We're talking about like our early 20s. Um, But, you know, when you think about it, like as far as the way society viewed things, it, it was completely different back then in 2005, 2006 than it is nowadays. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. It, it's one of those situations where now it's so, so much more socially acceptable and which it should have been. Right. Um, but it, it's just different because like I, the reason I bring that up is I, I don't know if you know who Gerard Carmichael is. He's a comedian. Uh, so he's a stand-up comedian, really funny guy. But in his last stand-up, he came out in the stand-up show, and it was it is one of those situations where it was a big deal to him to come out, and I understand that. But to me, like as a viewer, it wasn't a big deal. I was like, okay, whatever. I, you know, awesome, dude. That's Good awesome. for you. Cool. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but you know, and, and you forget, like, because society's changed so much, that how big of an impact that is for a single person to have that. Uh, strength and ability and be open with someone and themselves to come out and you know so i commend you on you know having that strength as far as talking to your mom about that and still remaining true and then i commend them on being you know i I know you said very kind of like conservative background from what i'm taking as far as church and everything for them to kind of open the door and accept it as well and i I hope nothing but the best for you guys on that honestly yeah that's awesome um so kind of diving into the real world i mean it's a what i'd like to know is kind of your casting story because from what i've heard everybody's casting story is a little bit different (laughs) you know but they're all very unique and very funny or or entertaining nonetheless so how how was your casting process well i I had just come out around my college campus, my senior year of college, and it was the first semester. So we're probably talking maybe September, like maybe month one of school. Mm-hmm. And I Googled uh, real world castings and I saw that there was one four days later in Tampa, Florida. And I lived on the East Coast. So I was near Daytona Beach. So me and two girls got in the car, drove like the three hour drive to Tampa and went to an open call. And it was in a nightclub. So everyone was a little, you know, drinking alcohol yeah. and put in line to get in to have a face-to-face with the casting director. And we were brought in groups 10 at a time. And I don't remember the question he asked me exactly, but we were basically given just like, why should I put you on the real world? Why should I put you on the real world? You know? And I don't think I answered enough of like a good answer. So he didn't ask me to stay behind. He only, I remember him asking like one like loud, big personality, like black girl and not me. Right. And then he just dismissed us all. And I was like, really? That's that's my only chance to get to like so I, I waited until he was finished speaking to her. And I remember just asking him, like, where's the where's the bathroom? And he pointed it out to me. And I wanted to get a chance to like kind of talk to him and like befriend him a little bit. Yeah. And then he's like, Here, why don't you just fill out this application? It was almost like a sympathy application. And it took oh. me an hour to fill it out. And that was my, you know, beginning. 
uh, I went back to campus and then the next day they called me and they were like, Hey, will you come back and uh, do a face to face on camera? So I had to drive that three hours back the next day. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. And I brought with me that journal that I mentioned to you that my mom had found. And I remember reading part of it and like breaking down and crying. And, and he was also gay himself. So I think he really was touched by the emotional side of my story. Yeah. On a humorous side, some of the questions I had filled out, I didn't remember filling them out because I'd been drinking. So I, I, was, I was writing things with like a lot of humor and a lot of personality. And he was asking me questions. And I was like, wait, what? I remember getting out of my seat and looking and I was like, wow, I really wrote that. Okay. I just <laughs> remember writing things. So I think in that moment, he was like, you know, he liked me. And then they, he sent me on my way and I get a phone call a few weeks later. And they're like, we want you to film a day in your life video have a friend film it for you and so i began that process and then sent that footage in then i got called to semi-finals which was in atlanta georgia and i had to take a greyhound bus there because <laughs> they didn't <laughs> offer flights so that was a whole process and then i think in that interview was the first time they really tried to get me angry because I remember not liking the casting director very much. And we were, she was starting to kind of like feel kind of almost like she was like attacking me. And I think looking back, they wanted to see what I was like under, under pressure or what I was like to, to make someone angry. Cause you know, right. that's part of it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, going to exactly. happen. Yeah. Um, they also in that moment made me do my very first confessional. And I heard they, they nix people if they can't do confessionals because that's an important part of the show. Right. So if they walk out of the room and you can't just sit and freely talk and express all your thoughts and feelings on a camera alone, then they might not move you forward. Right. Yeah, that makes sense because that's such a pivotal point of the of the real world. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the challenge. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. MTV in general. Yeah. <laughs> and then they asked for references and started phone calling my friends. I think that was when they were trying to see how much of my story was true. Like, was maybe I lying or was that was I really who I said I was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were asking character questions about from my friends. And I didn't hear from them for quite a while, like maybe four or five months. And then they flew me to LA for finals. Wow. And then I had to do very much a similar experience to the semifinals. But this time they had flashcards of pop culture things. And they wanted me to talk about movies and you know, celebrities, politicians, world events to see like what I knew about them. Right. Um, and, and then another confessional this one was a longer confessional and then after that i was cast but an interesting story i didn't tell you is that in the first month when i told my mom i was going to be on the show she was very upset and asked me not to continue on and and convinced she kind of sold me on why not to do it not to do it because i was pre-med and she was afraid it was going to hurt my medical career and so i called the show within the first month and said hey i don't think i'm going to continue on and then they had had the like high up director of casting call me and try to talk me back into kind of oh. staying on. So I felt like I kind of had it in the bag from that first month, even though I was doing all these other steps. I kind of was like, I think I think I got this. Right. Like, yeah. They just want to make sure you could like follow through on it and all of that. Exactly. I, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially if, you know, when the higher ups gives you a call after you say, ah, I'm not interested because anyone else, they would have been like, all right, well, we have a, a hundred other people we can talk to. So they, right. they must have seen something in you that they really liked. Yeah. That they thought was going to work. well. Yeah, exactly. Which wow. I mean, I don't think is hard to see. I mean, you know, just talking with you for the last five minutes, Davis, I mean, you seem um, like you've 
I know it's a cliche saying to say people are like onions, but it sounds like you've got about a hundred thousand layers in there that we can go through and talk to you about, you know, I think about that sometimes in my life, like what it would be like to do the real world. Like a few years ago, I was really having kind of like a zany life with a lot of world travels. And I was like, I was feeling like I had turned into almost like a different version of myself. And sometimes I, sometimes I think like, I wish I was put on the show at this point in my life or at this point in my life, because I do think we kind of go through chapters where we change as people and yeah. you know I, I would have done things differently if i was put on today or if i was put on you know five years ago or something oh no absolutely i mean right. i look back at it and you know majority of you guys that, that go on the real world are are typically in your early 20s i want to say like you know 21 to like 25 is about the range if i remember correctly and i think about where i was like mentally at that time in my life and it's like i I'm really glad I wasn't on reality TV because they would have captured some bad themes because uh, let's mm-hmm. be honest at that point, especially as men, our brains are still developing. We don't even finish developing until we're like 23, 24 years old. Uh, on top of that, it's usually the time when we make our biggest mistakes as far as like, like on what's socially acceptable things right. to say, not to say, you yeah. know, we, we're, we're, it's a learning process, you know? So I, not only yourself, but anybody that that took that risk to be that open with America. Cause that's really what you're doing is you're opening up to America is I think it's, you know, it's commendable. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, I know you said you were born in Georgia, but you're currently in Nashville. Is that where you do like a lot of your recording right now? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So um, are, how would you classify like the genre of music you're doing? Would, would it be like pop or. Well, when I first moved here, I was like very much doing country. Mm-hmm. And that was mainly because everyone I met, it's like the first people you meet in Nashville are often country people, or at least they were back then. I mean, now there's a lot more pop people than there was when I got here. Um, and that wasn't really the career I saw myself going into though. Like it didn't feel completely authentic, even though I do listen to country and I love it. Um, and so I came before Nashville. I worked in New York city for two years at a record label that was home to a lot of big DJs like David Guetta being one. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Swedish House Mafia being another. And I was in touch with some of their managers from that career I had before coming to town. And I never got a cut with David Guetta or Swedish House Mafia, but I did work with a Swedish DJ who was comrades with Swedish House Mafia named John Dalback. He'd mm-hmm. done some like Lady Gaga remixes, the official yeah. ones, and he'd worked with Avicii as well. Mm-hmm. And oh, he wow. was my very first cut where it was my first song signed to a record label. And he basically took one of my like country sounding songs and polished it up and made it more pop. Oh, wow. And by him doing that, I feel like that kind of put me into the direction of where I'm at right now. Right. I also, the year that song came out, it came out on a record label based in Amsterdam. So I flew out there to meet the label and attended a music conference called Amsterdam Dance Event. And going there really set my career up in a way that I had like that following year between maybe eight and 10 record label releases because I went to that event and I met a lot of producers who were already releasing music on labels and were looking for singers. So with that, and I signed a a publishing deal in that uh, trip with a company who represented singers and connected them to DJs looking for singers. So that whole year, 2017, was like a great year for my career and and set up my sound of music as it is today. And then I tried to, and I just this year went and did a week of writing in Sweden. My mom is half Swedish. 
-hmm. And I try to go there as often as I can because the music I write there, I so much better, I hate to say, than the music I write in Nashville. It's just like the producers there, I think they kind of get my sound. And the producers here are a little more country focused or the pop productions are just like not quite as great as the Swedish producer is going to do it. So I'll probably go back to Sweden this summer if I can for another week of writing. And that's really where my sound is at right now. It's like kind of Swedish pop productions. I love that. What I was was listening to, you know, Backstreet Boys was produced by Max Martin, who's a Swedish pop producer. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say, I, I know that, um, I mean, I'm just thinking of like the first pop group I really got into when I was young. I think I was our son's age. I was mm-hmm. like 10 years old and I think I got into Ace of Base. And if I'm, yeah. I don't know exactly what country, but I think it's, is it Sweden that they're from? Or? It's either Sweden or Denmark. But they were, yeah. both, like, they were both, I think at one point, historically, Sweden and Denmark were the same place. Yeah. And then they split up. So it's all, all the same. It's all the same. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Kind of switch and pace a little bit, but staying in the music. So um, in the music, talking about music, um, but me and Karina also help run a a group on Facebook about the challenge. And um, one of the things we do is we let them know, hey, this is who we're going to interview. If you have any questions, let us know. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the guys in the group, his name's Adam West. He's actually he. Real World Denver was his favorite season. He's a big fan of yours, um, and he likes your music a lot. And he wanted to know um, who were your musical inspirations that made you want to pursue that as as your passion. Um, my uncle is an artist manager in Nashville, and he managed a Christian singer named Amy Grant. I who went pop, yeah. and so her career was like very influential on me because I knew her at the time in her her kids i was the time at her farm i went to a lot of her concerts i met her i was always given her cds as a kid for free and i would listen to them and learn all the lyrics um and then another artist he managed michael w smith is a christian singer and so both of them i think were like early on heavy influences on on my ability to dream for a career in the music industry right um and then later on it's been I mean, I love so much artists and so much music. Really, it's hard to like say just one person who influences me. Yeah. Um, I would say the Swedish singer Robin, who had like Dancing on My Own, there's a that really big hit by hers. Um, I think her sound, I was obsessed with her music at one point in time. And I think like what she was doing was kind of like what I wanted to do with myself. I would say Ellie Golding was another one in the mm-hmm. earlier stage of my career where like she was... I liked her voice. She was doing something that, and, and Katy Perry as well. Yeah. Like kind of like a male version of any of those three artists was like what I was trying to do with my music. It was like trying to get DJs to you know remix my songs and do things in the same space. I love it. I like that. Yeah, that's I, awesome. I, I and I, I completely understand that because well, not the career wise because I do find it interesting because I, I think as outsiders looking in that don't have a like you know someone in the industry they look at it as like you have to be discovered and someone has to find you kind of thing which I know for certain people that is the mm-hmm. situation but for you able to see like Amy Grant and her footsteps and how she did it and then these other people that your uncle worked with it gives you like a real perspective of like okay this can be done if I'm doing this correctly right um but I think it's also awesome, you know, obviously everybody's musical choices t- or 
choice or taste changes over time. And I'm right there with you. I go through my stages where all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, I can't listen to anything but Tame the Impala. And then, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, now it's nothing but the Black Keys. But yeah, <laughs> um, sorry, I, I, it looked like you were trying to say something. No, I, I think the one thing entered in my mind and still, I mean, I definitely had self-doubts that like if it was possible or if it was going to happen or how to make it happen. Um, and I, and I don't think like I'm at the level that I would dream to be because I think we all dream to be Beyonce and, you know, there's only one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I may never reach that level and I'm aware of that, but I do think I've realized that like, I love what I do and I love to write songs. I've gotten good enough at it that I can do it alone. And I have enough of a network now that I can reach out to help when I need help. Yeah. Um, and I have reasons that I like to work with and I feel like, it's now become kind of like riding a bicycle for me where I can just keep pumping out good music and keep it going. And, and when I started this career, I told people the reason I was doing it is I wanted to leave something behind when I die in the music world. And I've already created that. And I'll feel like I'm, I reached that goal if, if I don't reach anything else. At least I did that. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is that, I mean, you know, while we all kind of dream of that, you know, like you said, like that Beyonce level of of fame and success and fortune and stuff. Right. I think it really, you know, as an everyday person, as everyday life, everyday living, I think it does really just come down to that. You know, if if you're able to, you know, obviously you have to make enough money to survive and stuff. But if you're able to do that and do it with something that you truly enjoy and you truly love doing, then like, why would you not? You know, why would you not? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, no, I love it. Okay. So I'm going to go kind of off the bean path. Like Kareem has like a (laughs) list of questions and I try to stick to it, but I'm that guy. You don't have to. These are just like, I'm like the dog from up like squirrel. What? You know, like I just get distracted. (laughs) So I'm curious um, as far as if you could choose any producer, like your dream producer to work with, who would it be? I mean, obviously like Max Martin would be one just because he's worked with such massive artists and I love his sound. And I, I have no doubt that if I made a song with Max Martin, it would be huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think at one point in time, I would have said Avicii. Mm, yeah. 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 Or David Guetta. That would um, be cool too. Yeah. I really like Joel Corey's music. If you're familiar with him, he's had a few David Guetta collaborative songs like bed like i got a bed but i'd rather be in yours oh, yeah. I, have heard that. I do know that i do yep. know that yeah he's a uk producer who's up and coming and he does really great work i would say mark ronson would be fun oh, to work with yeah yeah i'm just going for like the big guys but. the big guys yeah i mean <laughs> just throw them out they're quincy jones dr dre i mean we're right. just throw everybody out there <laughs> <laughs> okay um one one final like just random question on this is same basic principle but as far as another artist you could work with i thought this it would be cool to do like i mean i would love to do a kind of a collaboration with a female vocalist who's a big name who would be willing to do one um you know like britney spears for example or someone in that status Katy Perry, yeah. for example if they would be open to it i mean sometimes they work with lesser known artists britney has several instances where she's taken on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another artist who's not so big and like helped kind of push their career right yeah. i'm a big britney fan so i love it love britney and so so happy for her oh my gosh i'm so happy everything worked out for her and you know, she's getting married and she's having kids and all kinds of exciting mm-hmm. stuff. So 
love Brittany. And I think that that collab would be so awesome. Like you guys, you guys would sound so good together. <laughs> so I'm going to try to, to, to ring us back. Cause I know I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to send us off into left field and I'm going to try to slowly pull us back. Pull us back in yeah. now. <laughs> so uh, one thing we were trying to figure out, cause we were looking at dates um, it, during real world. And I know that there's, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that happened on the real world, which I think, you know, you guys, have kind of probably discussed at nauseum at this point. So, um, you know, I'm going to kind of skip over that. The one thing I did want to know, and this is something that Adam asked as well. Well, he kind of mentioned this. It wasn't a question. He thinks it's phenomenal. And he absolutely loves the fact that he said that you and Brooke are still really close after all this time. Yeah. And he loves the fact that you guys are still friends. He's a big fan of that. I love the fact that she and I are still friends. I that's so her. awesome um it's just like two i mean she lives one mile from me here in nashville oh wow that's wow. crazy just like a few nights ago um she wanted to go look at a house so i drove with her to go look at it it was like a 45 minute drive and we got there and she wanted my opinion on whether or not she should buy it or not and we came back to my house and started looking at other house options for her and i remember feeling very lucky in that moment that I've made a friend out of her and that we're still friends all these years later. And, and I don't know what my other casts, uh, to what degree they're in connected with each other because, you know, Coley lives in New York and to my knowledge, she's the only one there. Alex is in Arizona. I know he's the only one there. Yeah. Um, and then the other cast, Jen, Steven and Tyree, well, they all live in California and relatively close to each other actually. So I think the three of them might get some, you know, face to face time. Right, right. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that she and I are just so geographically close. I did see Alex this year for lunch or dinner, and I uh, hadn't seen him in about 10 more years. But the rest um, of them, I haven't really had, I haven't seen them in a while either. So I don't get to see my cast very much. So I was going to say, do you, I mean, like, obviously not face to face, but do you still talk to him like uh, over message or, so you know, stuff like that, stuff, stay in yeah. contact that way? I mean, Jen and I have a lot of the same like political affiliations and like when the whole COVID vaccine thing happened, I'm, I'm not a big fan of pushing that on people and she wasn't either. And yeah. I liked mm -hmm. that she wasn't that way. So I think the whole political world like reconnected us in a way. We were like, yeah. <laughs> Separates everyone else, but brought yeah. you guys right in. <laughs> in a very yeah. surprising way. And I found out she'd actually like become a Christian and had like, re like I, we weren't, you know, when I was on the show, I was a Christian and Stephen was a Christian and we were the only two that were really that we went to church together and had a, a lot of, you know, religious conversations about the Bible and what it says about homosexuality and, and no one else really was in the house. So mm -hmm. Now we have like, she and I have that in common and have been talking about our faith and, and Brooke is as well. She goes to the church here and I, I do go to church with her sometimes. So I think, yeah, Jen and I have had like this sort of like reconnected, uh, kind of like we're a lot of different things that just like syncing up with she and I, right. um, Tyree is like, of all the guys I feel closest to Tyree, we really support each other. And I think that's because the other two guys are not really pursuing careers in entertainment. But like Tyree is, he's doing acting and yeah. like doing music. So he's very supportive of me on social media. And in the same way, I'm like super supportive of him. And we've been brainstorming the idea of having him be like acting in one of my music videos or even having him like rap or take part in the song in a collaborative way, which that I was awesome. I would like jump at the chance to do that. We just haven't really like figured out what song. I sent him a few songs where I could see him coming on. Um, right. 
but that might happen. And I, and he's probably my closest guy friend of the, of all the guys. That's wow. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I and I was going to ask. And <laughs> now that I hear that, like that, that makes me really happy. In fact, we, yeah. I've been talking to Tyree a little bit on Twitter and we're, we're oh. hoping to have him on soon. So maybe we could get like a live collaborate. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he and I were put on rivals together as rivals, but there was no rivalry. So we didn't have any fights. Like we were friends at, on that show we yeah. squashed we squashed anything that we had on the real world both on the real world but when we did the inferno we like had some conversations on the inferno that weren't on television where we were just like bro sorry bro sorry and we really squashed anything that was like conflictual on that show so when they put us on rivals together it was so you know we, we forgiven and forgotten as they right. say so we and we got along really good you know yeah, I was going to say, because I, I remember you guys button heads a lot on on Real World. Um, but now that I think back to Rivals, you guys didn't really seem to have many issues. I'm like replaying like really quickly through my head. Um, yeah, that actually makes sense. That's awesome, though. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I was not expecting you to say that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of since you brought this up and Karina has this listen, it. it I, I was curious. They have listing. They have the real world listed as like running from November 2006 to May of 2007. That wasn't the film dates. That was the air dates. You guys were filming prior to that. Is that correct? Yeah, we started filming in May of 2006 and stopped filming in August of 2006. Okay. Then in October of 2006, I was filming the Inferno. There. And yeah. when, I, when I came home in November of 2006, the real world started airing. Right. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Cause I was, I was looking at the dates and it, it had it shown that real world was filmed from November, 2006 to May, 2007. And then it had Inferno three released in March, 2007. And I was like, how's he filming both of these at the same time? Somebody's <laughs> information is messed up. Cause I don't think that, you know, Davis is capable of cloning. Like he's pretty <laughs> awesome, but I'm just saying yeah. like, <laughs> it, was, it was weird to have both on at the same time because it was like, I kind of thought one would end and then the next journey would start, but they were both on at the same time. So that is weird. That is weird. And there wasn't much time between leaving, right? Between stopping filming real world and then going right on to Inferno. Yeah. I think they sent us home at the end of August and in October I was leaving for Africa, South Africa. So I had about a month home. Wow. Uh, I was dating a guy at the time and he was studying abroad in Argentina. So I took that break to go visit him and spent two weeks in Argentina. And when I came home, I was hacking in South Africa. Wow. So that's why I gave the break. Did you know about the challenge prior to going on it? Like, were you a fan of it? Yeah. I told myself weirdly that I would only do three challenges and no more. Uh, it was like a promise I made myself because I was afraid of becoming these kinds of like, and I don't just say this with anything like, I don't really want to say this with any badness, but I didn't want to become like the kind of person that just only does them over and over and over and over again and doesn't move on with their life. Right. Because, yeah. because the way I viewed them was like, they really weren't using their God given, you know, skills for other right. things. And that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah, right. So yeah, I was like, yeah. I'll, I'll do three, and that to me will feel like I got the experience. And I did three, and then they stopped calling, so it just really worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
um inferno inferno three is an interesting season because for a lot of fans one it's the only season other than the first nine that isn't listed on paramount plus yeah they don't offer it so you can't find it anywhere unless you can find it online um the other thing is is you had a pretty pretty rough intro to the challenge i think (laughs) it was the first night that you had a a run-in with ct if, if i'm remembering correctly yeah as a viewer we weren't really shown what was happening or what happened was it what they said on tv he just came up and asked you if you could take a punch and then punched you yeah i mean my experience that night was i was if i remember correctly sober and that was because i had gotten so drunk on the real world and anytime i did the real world and got drunk i always regretted it like really hard so i having now given a new opportunity to do a show on the Inferno, I made a commitment to not like make a fool out of myself. Right. So I was going at it sober. So I was sober that day. He, on the other hand, was super drunk. Yeah. And yeah. he got into a, a wrestling match with Kenny, mm-hmm. and Kenny made him get a bloody nose. And that made him very, both like kind of humiliated a bit and more angry. So he was a little bit of like, everyone was kind of staying away from him. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting down with Abram playing a game of chess. So mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't play chess drunk. Yeah. No. Playing chess. And he walks up to me and says, you're the gay kid, right? So this is our first interaction with you. Jesus Christ. He had not made an interesting, he did not shook in his hand, my hand or, you know, and I had it in his hand or anything. So this was his first. And I said, yeah. He said, can you take a punch? And I assumed that punch wasn't going to be like so painful. So I said, yeah, but I like allowed it to happen. And he punched me in the face and I was so surprised and it was painful for me. So I walked off and I started crying. I walked right past Johnny bananas and maybe another guy. And they saw me go into the bathroom and start crying and they came in like, what's wrong? And I was like, CT just punched me. So for some reason, I always feel like I like love Johnny because of the way he like helped me in that moment and like uh, stood out for me kind of like a big brother or a friend. Yeah. So I love, like, nothing but love for Johnny. And then he went in and was like, what's up? That was fucked up. And then they, they kicked him off the show. Yeah. So that was what happened. And I never really understood why. Yeah. I, I think honestly, like it from, from watching what happened with the, the Kenny situation, how absolutely smashed CT was that night I think you're right. It was a little bit of, um, you know, he, he, he was a little bit hum- humiliated with what had happened with Kenny. Um, and I think maybe he was just kind of trying to like showboat a little bit, like, uh, you know, show off as the tough guy and obviously didn't work out very well for him. Well, he, he never apologized to my face, but in time, both my sister and one of my friends met him and mm-hmm. said to him like, Hey, I'm Davis's brother. And to them, he said, Hey, tell Davis, sorry. So I yeah. got apologies through close friends. And so the next time I saw him was on the duel mm-hmm. and he, he and I didn't really have a friendship on that show. And he weirdly attacked Adam and punched Adam and was kicked off in his about his equal amount of time. Yeah. On that show. I so was going to say, yeah, I didn't really get a chance to talk to him on that one either. Right. And like yeah. figure out what happened. And I've never seen him since. Yeah. So. That's wow. Wild. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, 
That's a hell of a way to get an introduction to a new show. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, like night one, both of your first two seasons. No. Um. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we have a. So we actually have two other hosts um, that help us run the podcast. They just were unfortunately weren't able to make it this morning. But one of them, our uh, one of our newer hosts, his name is Tony, and he has kind of been doing like a rewatch. Um, he's a little bit newer of a challenge fan. He actually came in on a recent season, uh, season thirty five, because of somebody who came over from Survivor, um, and then fell in love with the show. And he's just kind of gone back and watched everything back that he could, um, and he kind of was rewatching some stuff. And um, he is absolutely obsessed with the Inferno three. And the dual two intros that you guys filmed. Um, the Inferno 3 one being like the safari one where you guys are like running like jungle animals. And then the the Haka on dual two. Um, so he was wondering, what was your favorite intro to film out of those two? Like, did you have one that you enjoyed more or did you not like filming those, you know, crazy little intros? I, I mean, I think they're both super cool. And I can't really say I've watched as many other challenges to see if the other challenges have those creative openings. Not no. really, honestly. But maybe I was lucky that I had two that were really fun to do. Because yeah. as you were mentioning, we, we were filming in a field in South Africa that had natural wildlife. Although I didn't really see anything like a lion, for example. Right. But it, they, they probably filmed those scenes out, outside of us or went searching for it. You know, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. from us. And then they had some of us kind of like on harnesses. So it looked like we we're running like wildlife. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was wondering how they did that. I'm like, how is, how is Timmy running like a, like a lion? I don't understand how this is happening. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, they put you in kind of like a harness on your back and then had you running, but kind of picked you up off the ground a little bit. And it was like a thing that went with you. That's what I remember. Right. And then they segued that into us being in the location where the inferno was and we're all just kind of like screaming at each other's faces. Yeah. The Hakka in um, New Zealand was like some native style tribal chant. They taught us the words too. And we all had to recite it over and over again until we had it in sync and then we all had to do it. And I'm really bad at like any kind of coordinative dances. I can't remember them very well. So I feel like I really struggled with that process. <laughs> and I don't remember then, like I did it right, but I would say the first one was probably a little cooler. A little me. cooler. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I think that I like the Inferno three intro a little bit more. Um, I think I, I, I respect what happened on dual two. Cause I think that's just um, kind of a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity that you get to, you know, learn, you know, a, the, the tribal dance and the chant and all of that stuff and be able to actually perform that. Um, you know, so I think that's really special, but I, I, I really love that Inferno three intro. It gets me every time. It makes me smile. It's goofy. It's cute. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually filming that day with a bruised eye from CT. So from I remember CT. that a ton of makeup for me. Oh, gosh. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. And all the press photos that they published with me have like makeup from my bruised eye. So. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So I don't really remember, to be honest, I saw the dual or the Inferno three, I think once with you a couple years back, and I don't really remember it too well, but I do remember dual two because I recently started rewatching it and I got through I love that season. Uh, probably three quarters of it now, but I, it's not really a question, but it's really more just like, I commend your gameplay in there. Like you and Nehemiah, I mean, like 
I think he made a poor choice when he obviously picked Paula because he knew she was going to take Dunbar and not you. Yeah. So it, it automatically threw you and Brooke in pretty much. But I commend you for calling out Evan. I commend for you for the way you played the game because it, it was always seemed like with the utmost integrity. It never seemed like you were trying to screw somebody over. You just wanted to play the game straight up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw him as the the best guy and he won the show. So I was right. So I thought if I could take him out, it would both earn me like a fear among everyone else to go up against me and take out the toughest competition. It would put me in a better chance of winning. And mm-hmm. I, looking back on it, it's like one of those things, you know, when you hear about like, okay, you know, like, uh, here's an example. Um, Napoleon Dynamite, there's that uncle who's always talking about his glory days in football. (laughs) That is the challenge that comes back into my mind sometimes. Like, I wish I could redo it because it was a puzzle and you had to build all the puzzle pieces and then complete the wall. And the way I looked at it was to start at the bottom, but the way Mm -hmm. you should have done it is to start at the top and then work your way down because by covering up the bottom, you cover up your steps and you can't use it as a a ladder any longer. So if I'd only thought about it in a quicker way, I could have beat it. It was like not a, it wasn't like it was a strength competition where he outsized me. It was like a mental thing. And so it's like, ah, I'd only thought about it that way. I, but I'm kind of the kind of guy, like if I'm following a direction, I often make the the wrong turn or like kind of have to learn by a mistake. So it was like an example of learning by mistake. Well, and that's what I was I was telling Karina when I was watching. It was like if he would have gone from the top to the bottom instead of the bottom to the top as he started, he would have won because you were smoking him. Yeah, you were smoking him on the actual puzzle, at least from that's what I was going to say from from the edit that we see anyway. Obviously, you know, they can cut things and make things look any way they want these days. Um, But from what it looked like, you actually had the puzzle part and where the pieces went. Like you were smoking him at that. It was just that little mistake of starting at the bottom instead of going up and starting at the top like he had done, Um, you know. But I mean, at the same time, it was Evan. So like if you're going to lose to anybody, you know, lost to the guy who won. Sometimes I think like what would have happened if I picked Big Easy? Because he was the obvious easy one to, to beat. Yeah, and And now when I watch the challenge, sometimes people do make those safer decisions to stay in the game. And maybe if I did it all over again, I might have done that instead, you know? Right. I, I, I respect what you do more. I, I mean, do. I, yeah. I think it makes a better TV. I mean, because n- yeah. nobody wants to see, um, you know, see the layup, you know? And I that's why I don't like the the way that they've always played the challenge, which was like taking the, the easy route out. It, it doesn't it doesn't make it exciting for a viewer. But watching you almost beat Evan made it exciting. It made it a lot more exhilarating. Well, and, and not only that, but I mean, you know, we kind of we talk about this with the you know, a lot of the fans call it the um, the CT effect, right? Where you're big and you're good. So people are just afraid to call you in. So you just skate through to the final every single time. And as a viewer, it's just so much more exciting to see somebody who's like, you know what? I may win. I may not win. But either way, I'm going to call out somebody. I'm going to call out the big guy and I'm going to do what I can to take him out. Yeah, I think. Going to what you said, though, like, let's say you take Big Easy and you beat him in that, right? You guys were on the low end of the totem pole is the only downside, right? Like, so it's like almost a repetitive thing. Like, how many times are they going to throw you guys back in there? Like they did Wes and Fresh Meat and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I do have a question. This is a question that uh, Tony asked as well, but he didn't know the context as far as you and Tyree squashing everything on the actual show in Inferno <laughs> 3. He thought there was like a beef that or like a rivalry that started on Inferno 3 between you and Tyree. Um, so the question is, do you think there would have been someone else better suited to be your rival partner in Rivals 1? Um, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> so no, probably not. I mean, unless it was maybe CT. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's what I was thinking. Like you and CT on the same when, team when, when that season. Well, so. that that first episode, you know, the first episode arrivals when it, you know, you guys are all standing there waiting to see if if TJ is going to come out. And I saw you standing there, and then I saw Adam standing there, and then I saw CT standing there, and I'm like, this could go a number of ways. I wonder where they're going to put CT because it's going to be with one of these two dudes. I know it is because the last two yeah. times that he's been on, he punched both these guys. So yeah. what's going to happen? You know, I was and I was actually kind of surprised that he got put with Adam. I was almost kind of hoping that you two would be together. But um, I think yeah, it would have been an interesting pair up. Exactly. It would have been interesting. Yeah. So. <laughs> Did you get a chance to talk to him at all in Rivals about the whole situation or not at all? Um. No, I don't really remember feeling like we ever, I think it's a little bit of a stubborn battle with the and I. It's like, I feel a little wronged, so I don't really want to be like, Hey, CT. And we you don't want to initiate it. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't really made the effort to be my friend or to apologize to my face or anything. When we're around each other, it's just kind of like elephant in the room. We're not really talking, but we know why we're not talking. <laughs> That makes sense. No, and I, I get that. Like nobody wants to go out of their way to ask for the apology that they deserve. That's you shouldn't have to do that. So no, absolutely not. Okay, so I have a kind of an off the wall question. Out of all the people that you've met on your three challenges, have you made friends with one of them that you thought you would never be friends with, or someone you didn't expect to be friends with? I would say, ooh, I mean, Tori Hall, who married Brad Berenza. Is it's not someone that I would say I would never be friends with, but I mean I am friends with her because she moved to Nashville. I'm trying to think of other people I'm friends with. I might be seeing Siobhan from Real World Australia, a Real World City. Oh, love her! In uh, two weeks because I'm going to Hawaii to DJ, and she lives there. So, oh, that's awesome. I'm just trying to think of people that I'm actually friends with. Marie from the <gasps> challenge, you know, like she's uh, a lot of the challenges. I'm a Leo, and she is a Leo. So we've become yes. more like social media friends. I just like vibe with her in some in some of the things she does. She's my favorite. Yeah. We just had her on like a couple of weeks ago. She's awesome to She's talk amazing. to. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, looking back on this at the time when I met both Cara Maria and Laurel, I didn't really have a lot of like fan feelings towards them because I didn't know who they were. But now looking back in time and like seeing them, I, I would probably call myself more of like a a fan of theirs. So I wish mm -hmm. when I did rivals and I had the chance to get to know them that I had gotten to know them better because I think yeah. they're little super cool girls and just was on the rivals with them and hardly spoke to them. Yeah, that well, happens. You know what, Davis, I'm going to clip this part and I'm going to tag Laurel and well, I can't tag Cara. Cara doesn't want anybody has, tag. Yeah, she has her, her tags. But off. I will tag Laurel <laughs> and I'll, I'll send, try to get this to Cara for you. We're going to, we're going to initiate that friendship. Right. Thank you. <laughs> There's a bunch of people from watching the challenge that I've kind of like fanned, like loved. Tony, I, I like, and Corey. I think they're both oh, cool yeah. guys. So I, you still watch? I was going to ask, yeah, yeah, if you still watch the show. I didn't watch for many years because I think I kind of lost the like magic about it once I did it. 
And then this year, I will actually credit Marie's season of The Real World as being the reason I started watching. I went to Puerto Rico this November. And when I got home, I thought, did they ever make a real world Puerto Rico? And they didn't. But they did do a real world Virgin Islands. So I watched her season just trying to see how similar of the experiences she had to what I had just lived. And then when that ended, I was like, I think I'll start to watch another season. So I watched uh, the, the new San Diego with you know, Zach. And then I watched Corey's season um, and some of those more modern takes on it where they did like X's and things like that. And yeah. really enjoyed some of the way they changed the format. And then when that ended and I started kind of falling in love with the cast, I really liked Corey and Tony. I was like, I want to see more of both of those guys. So I started watching the challenges that they did. And then I got caught up on Challenge Fever and watched so many <laughs> episodes and seasons of the challenge. I think I pretty much finished the challenge as far as wow. I've been mostly caught up. Uh, and then I started wondering, like, do I want to do another challenge again? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know that I would be like better today than I would have been when I was younger. So I, I can't say that I would win it if I would be put back on. So right. <laughs> I think you would be an amazing fit on All Stars. I think, I think either fit. one, but yeah, but as far as like with all stars, as far as like, you know, the way they're more laid back formatted. and it's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit older format, but newer challenges, like where you're right. still hanging off the side of a semi or some yeah. shit, you know, yeah. I mean? competing against guys in my age would be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, I mean, you're still going against like Darrell and Wes and all of them, but I know now Wes and Jordan are on all stars. Oh. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But I, if you got the call, let's say to go to all store, all stars or like the main flagship show, would you, would you accept it at this point? I think I would just as long as I've got no conflicts, I would probably. Right. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest thing, right. Is like the scheduling, especially for the flagship. It's like six weeks or longer. Yeah. With quarantine and stuff. Yeah. I DJ a lot. Like I'm DJing almost every week and sometimes I get locked into contracts with people where I fuck it out. So that has been kind of a, a hardship with being a touring musician DJ. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I will. You said you were going to Hawaii. Which island? Big, the big island. Oh, the big island. Yeah. So, uh, my, uh, the company I work for, the owner has a place out in, uh, I believe it's Kona. Yeah, um, absolutely. and he he loves it out there, and you know he always offers. He's like, "Yo, if you ever go out there, you can stay at you know my uh, my condo out there." And it's one of those things like I really want to go, but I don't want to stay at my boss's condo either. Sure, you know it's just like, uh, but it's still it's Hawaii. It's hard to say no to. All right, well now that now that I know that you've watched this, I, I do have some questions for you, kind of like hypotheticals and just your opinion on it. Sure. Um, if you could pick two women and one other guy to be paired with on a season. Who would you pick? Um, well, Laurel and Sarah Maria. Okay. And maybe Jordan. That'd be a solid lineup. Yeah, I like it. I think we would win. <laughs> I, I think I think it's that's a really tough lineup to beat right there with. So I was asking Davis um if he if he could choose uh two women and one guy to be teamed up with. He and he chose Car Maria, Laurel, and Jordan. He goes, I think we'll win. I said, Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough lineup right there. It's murderer's row. Wow. I don't know if he's blacklisted and I think he's too volatile. We don't know either. Yeah. You don't you don't want that because all somebody has to do is walk like him and you all are going home. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> level headed people that will actually make it to the end. Exactly. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I got an argument with a guy about that the other day. They're like, well, you know, 
Turbo would have would have destroyed Jordan. And I was like, well, I mean, Jordan played the smartest move, which was get him out before the elimination. So yeah, exactly. You know, it is what it is. He but. eliminated him without having to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like that's And I feel like Johnny and Wes are too much of a, like a target on their back. People don't like them enough. Yeah. You, you don't want you don't want yeah. bananas because nobody wants him to have another championship. Yeah. So people are going to be after him. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think your Laurel, Cara, uh, yeah. Jordan's a, a strong lineup. Um, yeah, I like that. That would be a savage team. <laughs> yeah, yeah would. Um, as far as um, the seasons that you have seen, um, if you going back and watching, have you looked at one and been like, that one would have been perfect for me? I wish I would have would have gotten a call for that one. I'm trying to think of the ones I recently watched. That one that was in, I think, Poland that was super cold. Uh, the one where they were in the bunker, or that one was, that was Total Madness, the one that Johnny won. I wouldn't have wanted to do that one. No, I I didn't even want to watch that one. It looked horrible. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe Dirty Thirty would have been fun. That one was cool because they sent them home, and then you had the chance of coming back on. Yeah, yeah, the Redemption House. Yeah, that one was pretty cool. Even that one, and then the other one they did that had a Redemption House. It was the first time I remember seeing Cara Maria's boyfriend on. I can't think of it. Uh, Final, Final Reckoning. Reckoning. Yeah, yeah, his first challenge. I liked that one as well. If you want, Final Reckoning is a really good, really good season. Just on a side note, if you want some entertainment on Twitter, just follow Polly and watch <laughs> his like little arguments. Well, I, okay, I don't follow him on TikTok, but I do follow him on Instagram. Yeah, Twitter's the place to follow him at because he, he he'll talks, engage. Yeah, he talks so much shit on Twitter. It's so fun. I love his page. <laughs> a lot of the challengers like they'll engage with the fans occasionally, but like he'll get into like debates with fans on yeah. there, and it's it's he does. It's he does. funny to watch. He's cool though. He's, He's a good cool. guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Davis, I do have a question for you. Um, more music related. What was the last concert you went to? Good question. Well, I went to Ultra Music Festival in Miami. I saw about 40 different artists play in the three days. And I would say oh, my wow. favorite one was Sophie Tucker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. girl duo. Um, I, was, I was attending Ultra as a press person for a dance magazine in Australia called Culture. Well, I was actually interviewing mm-hmm. people as well. and interviewed Joel Corey, whose name I mentioned that wanted to work yeah. with as a producer. And interviewed Sophie Tucker as well. And I'd never seen them live before. Kind of like the whole Cara Maria Laurel story where like I wasn't quite a fan. And when I met them, then I went to go see them live and I was a fan. And I wished I'd done it in opposite order because they were so great live. <laughs> well, maybe you'll get that second chance to to ask them some questions <laughs> again, right? Yeah. That's how it works for us. Like, w- inevitably, we're going to get off this interview with you at some point, And I'm going to be like, oh, God, we forgot to ask him this. We forgot to ask him this. And <laughs> it, it happens every single time. It does. It does. <laughs> But actually, since you're talking about music, um, about your music and stuff, and you said that you have a lot of, you know, like contract and gigs and stuff like that. Do you just like work for like the clubs or are you for personal hire in Nashville as well? Or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, in Nashville, because I've been here for almost seven or eight years, a lot of people just find me a Google search and book me directly. Um, or word of mouth, like repeat work in other markets. Sometimes I'll be booked. Like, for example, this week I'm DJing a wedding in Nashville, but then on Thursday night, I'm DJing a corporate event in Fort Lauderdale and then a night, a nightclub in Miami. And then the next weekend, another for, uh, Fort Lauderdale or West Palm beach, uh, corporate event, and then a wedding in Hawaii. And all of those 
three uh, or four events are coming more from like event planners or like companies that plan events. Um, and sometimes like I DJ New Year's Eve in El Paso, Texas, and that came from a booking agent They're right they're, They represent kind of like celebrity DJs and um, some of my work, like I DJ last year at the Virginia Military Institute, which was like a military um, college. I DJ at uh, their homecoming and that came through my booking agent. So sometimes I'll get kind of like direct bookings from people that want me personally. Um, right. And, and I mean, I think all my bookings kind of come from people that want me personally, but some of it's like real world rec- recognition and some of it's right. like DJ recognition. Right. My right. Yeah, we were actually talking to MJ the other day and he he was talking about how the real world uh, being on the challenge, how it's kind of like a double edged sword. Once you get into like your actual professional life where mm-hmm. you get that recognition. But at the same time, people are like, well, he was just on reality TV kind of thing. So it can be that double edged. But um, with music, I, I, I would assume it works more in your benefit just from yeah. the recognition of it all. Yeah. So there was no like real pushback entering into the because I know that like I've I've heard numerous times that like, you know, especially, um, you know, more of the OG cast who was on in the earlier seasons. And then, like Rick said, you know, have gone on to for other careers, um, especially in like the acting or entertainment industry. A lot of the time, like being on reality TV can negatively affect your chances of being an actor, or actress or, you know, getting into that entertainment industry because they say that. You know, like movie producers and stuff um, don't necessarily want or this is how it used to be anyway, didn't necessarily want like reality stars because you're there to play a part and you're there to play a character. And so you can't have all this crazy stuff out there available for people. Um, So was there just there's no kind of pushback in the music industry with being a reality TV star? Mm, I think in music, you're judged more based off of what you're hearing than what you're seeing. So I right. think yeah. if the music is good, it stands for itself, regardless of who made it, you know? So right. um, I, and a lot of the success I've had comes in record labels that are based in Europe. We don't really have that show or don't really understand what it is. So I don't really think that it's, I'm standing on that to get signed. Really? Mm-hmm. They, they don't watch that show up there. Right. No, No, that makes sense, too. I would say, yeah, from what you're saying, it sounds like it's more along the lines of getting booked as like for a corporate event or something where the music industry is is really, I mean, and that makes sense, is strictly based on your abilities and uh, your talent level at the end of the day. True, true. Yeah, if I send in a bad song, it's not going to get signed. If I send in a good song, it will. So I think it's a matter about letting the music speak for itself. Um, and, and as far as like bookings go, I mean, yeah, I, I do sing at prides sometimes and they typically say Davis from the real world when they present me on stage. So there is a little bit of that, like real world got me there. Um, mm-hmm. but then there's events where they don't mention that I did it at all. And it's like music got me there. Like they'll want to hear, right. yeah. they want to hear my DJ sets, for example, before they book me. So they'll want to listen right. to my skill. Not, it doesn't matter that I did the real world. I could be a bad DJ, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I mean, I think that's, I think, you know, it, it's speaks volumes, you know, like the real world might have may or may not have gotten you in the door. Right. But it's your abilities and your talent that's kept you in that room that whole time. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, I was actually going to ask um, in regards to you were to get the call back to go. Um, I know you 
you got a little upset in rivals, right? Cause you've done a lot of training to get ready. Um, you said you, you know, basically kind of trained like a pro athlete to get ready for that. And you were a little disappointed when you got partnered with Tyree cause you knew Tyree wasn't training that hard. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I, I can't remember necessarily feeling disappointed because I did feel like he's a big guy and could intimidate people based off of his size. Um, and I felt like that the way that we lost, we, up against, I think it was Kenny and um, Wes. It was yeah. really probably ours to win based off of um, size. So right, because that was that the 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 push rest, like the wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a yeah, tug of war, and um, so I don't really want to go on record and say I was disappointed having him as my partner because I don't remember feeling it that way. But I did feel like, and I, and I think, and I'm also kind of smaller than him, so I mean, I'm mm-hmm. disappointed in having me as his partner. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> To be honest, when I saw you guys stand up for that elimination, it was against Kenny and Wes. I I thought you guys were going to win. Yeah. You know, because I I went back and watched. I didn't see it live. um, And Karina didn't tell me who had won that season. So I walked in not knowing like it was a new season. So I thought you guys (laughs) had that in the bag. And um, I feel like if you guys would have gone through that elimination, you guys could have, you know, really gone for a long run in that game. Yeah. So Davis. (laughs) I, I try to ask everybody this. Um, if you were going to name a Mount Rushmore, um, so top four guys, top four girls, who would your Mount Rushmore be? And it doesn't have to be top four of all time, but like your top four, who you enjoy the most. Um, you mean like viewing, like watching them on TV, yeah. but not putting them on the team for myself, right? Not putting them on your team, just, just who your Mount Rushmore is. Yeah. Like, you know, like the presidents, like we've got, might not be the greatest men, but they were the most impactful presidents, right? Like who's the most impactful for you that you enjoy? And we're talking challenge people, right? Yep, challenge. I mean, I, I think Ashley's great. Oh, yeah. Ashley Mitchell. Okay, Ashley yeah. Mitchell. She surprised me because she's very smart and she's done really well. She is. And she doesn't, she doesn't come off smart like that. But then when you see her, you're like, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, would, I would go back to Laurel and Cara Maria again, because I think they're great. And maybe Rachel Robinson. Oh, yes. Yes. She's, she's, yeah. I love Rachel. She's iconic. the one that got me hooked. Yeah. Iconic. And I, I consider her a friend of mine. So oh, I love that. I love her. She's so sweet. As guys go, I would probably put turbo up there. If he just given some more chances, I think he was really good. Um, Johnny Bananas. I I wouldn't go West, but I don't really like West to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> he kind of uh, well, this is tangential, but like on the Rivals show that we did, he was like being my best friend, and I thought it was a sincere friendship that we were forming. And then when he was given the chance to pick someone to go up against, he chose me, and that surprised me because I thought we were kind of allying ourselves, allying ourselves together. So I realized he wasn't. It wasn't a sincere friendship. I mean, maybe it was he thought we were the easiest to, to send home, but we were not. There was other people he could have beaten. Like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. like the new kid that walked in that was kind of like a like a doofusy like guy from Vegas who was Oh Dustin. Yeah, Dustin and yeah. Who yeah, was yeah. paired with um I can Leroy maybe? Gosh, who Leroy? Was he, gosh, who was he paired with? I can't even remember now. No, and wasn't it Mike and it, it was Leroy and Adam, and then Adam got that's sent right. home Adam because sent he home and fighting Mike. with Ty, and then Mike came on, Mike came who was on kind of Leroy's. like the goofy looking guy. Yeah, so I, and they, up, they had a, an easy chance to beat them. And if he was really my friend and we were really allying each other, he would have chosen them. But then he chose me. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, we were not, we were not allying ourselves together because I would right. him because he and I spent. 24 hours before arrivals, like going out to bars in Miami together and really bonding. 
And I, we, I went there having like this great friendship with Wes that I saw as like long lasting. And then the first person he chose to send them home was me. And I was like, Oh, we're not friends. <laughs> so, oh, damn. Yeah. Not yeah. <laughs> well, that was a shot. That was cold <laughs> as ice. Thanks, man. <laughs> but Wes isn't going to be on my route, which not rush more, even though I think he might put someone else's. Um, <laughs> I think Evan's actually great. Um, yeah. So I put Turbo up there. I put Evan. Did I put anyone else? Uh, Johnny Bananas. Bananas. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, maybe I would go back in time and like, I'm trying to think of, I mean, I don't want to put CT, so I'm not going to put him. You could put Jordan up there you if you want. You could put Jordan. You could put Derek Jordan. K. Put, yeah. um, Daryl. Daryl's done a really nice job. Darrell. Darrell. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He, he held the record for a while there, four in a row. Yeah. And he came back on that, like, he did that celebrity all stars one that I watched where it had like famous actors and athletes, champs versus pros. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, where T.O. almost beat up CT. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're I remember watching him on that one being like, he still has it, even though he's older. And he was like, and there was like some incredible battle where he like almost got uh, laid up and against the else and just kept enduring for a long time. Yeah, I remember that one. There's there's a few of, uh, of the guys from your seasons and well, previous seasons. And even, even Darrell in, um, uh, oh gosh, what's it called? Um, Invasion of the Champions in that. The, the, the rope. The, no, 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 no. The ball one with bananas. Yeah, the one he did against the pole wrestle against Zach was more impressive. That one, to me. yeah. I thought you were gonna bring up the rope thing against mm-hmm. CT, which yeah, that was awesome. But... I like Zach, but he's not done very well. Like he needs to. I think he, no. I think he's lost his prime, and I think he had that window where he could have won and really made it like a great record, but he's just lost it for different weird reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, on a personal level, like, I I don't really know. I don't follow the guy. I've, I've heard some inflammatory things that he said that yeah. I, I might not agree with, but that's anybody, right? Like, I don't agree with everything anybody says, but <laughs> Um, I, on the challenge, I think he got screwed over on vendettas. Like I, I think Car Maria completely deserved that win, but they always have a male and female winner, always, except for that season and the first season the, of All Stars. Look, this is the thing that really upsets me and a lot of the fans for the the vendettas final is that, and it, it, this happens in a lot of the finals, especially nowadays, is you have your whole day one right and you run all these races and you do all these times and you know at the end of day one zach was miles and miles ahead of everybody else and then day two you start and it's like okay so you were in the out davis you were in the lead for an hour and a half on monday or on day one we're gonna give you a two minute head start today good luck have fun like to me that's just absolutely ridiculous and that's where What's the point of the day one if Zach was an hour ahead of Kara, but he only gets a two minute head start and now Kara beats him in the puzzle and, you know, we're done. And not to take anything from Kara because I, I love her and she absolutely earned that win. I just hate when they do that in finals. It just yeah. like kind of completely negates day one and it's just weird. Yeah. Well, and what I was going to say is he should have won that one and he probably should have won the following season final reckoning with but, Amanda, but him and Amanda can agree on who to throw in. And that was so crazy to me that he like lost it and gave it basically to someone else. Yeah. It, there's a whole conspiracy theory that that whole elimination is rigged. so many conspiracy because, theories for that. You know, season. Zach's what, like six three, two hundred and thirty 230 pounds and he's jumping on a rope and he can't knock off one tile. Yeah. And then the next team who goes up does the same thing and they can't knock off the same exact tile. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know. a, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Fan conspiracies. <laughs> we, yeah. Um, 
I was going to say, I, I talking to you guys, I didn't realize how many of former real world and challenge contestants are actually in the Nashville area. So there's you, Brooke. We just mm-hmm. talked to MJ. He's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, uh, I, I don't know for a fact, but I thought John A was in the Nashville area for some reason. Yeah, she too. is. I went to her actually. Um, she married someone in the music industry, I think. Oh, wow. Oh, See, I didn't cool. know anything about her husband. That's awesome, though. Yeah, and I didn't I go love to her, her wedding, actually, but I was like, when she got married, a bunch of challenge people came to town, and they were celebrating that weekend for her marriage. So I went to, like, one of the parties for her wedding. The parties, yeah. yeah. Right. I was going to say, do you run into any other challengers in your travels? Like, like I know you're going to Miami. That's a big hub for them down oh, there. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch there. I've actually never met Tori, but I saw that. This is going to sound stalkerish with me, but I saw that she went to a yoga studio, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go there. Maybe I'll see her. So I went and did yoga there, but I didn't see her. But. You should reach out. She's she's like literally the nicest person ever, and she loves like meeting up with people. I just met Josea like a two few or two two or three weeks oh, ago. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. She's good friends with Josea. He's cool. Um, Natalie, uh, Negrati. Natalie Negrati. Yeah, she's um, Josh Martinez. He's down in Florida, yeah. and he's awesome. Well, my boyfriend's Venezuelan, so he loves Natalie and Josh because you know they're both Latina. I think See? Natalie's actually. Yeah. Venezuelan as well. Yeah, she's Venezuelan. So, yeah. This is this is the one I my my take that people disagree with. Oh, me I on thought all you were time, gonna I thought you were is, gonna talk about Tori. I really like Josh. I know he's not I well accepted him. in the fandom, but I've I, I dig care. him so much. I think he's a cool oh. guy and I I think he's so entertaining, like how boring the show would have been without him these last few years. Yeah. You know, he's like single handedly gotten into a fight on every single season. Yeah. So thank you, Josh. I appreciate I that. that. I feel like he must be a water sign. Because he's so emotionally like triggered. You know what? I bet you he is. Oh my gosh! I, I have to look now because I, I bet you he is. I'm gonna. Yeah. Really you know what always trips on. me out about that is like my my zodiac sign is half a fish, but I'm not a water sign. <laughs> like that always kind of trip me out. What are you? Uh, are you? Capricorn. And I think it's a Earth sign. If he's I remember, very right. Capricorn. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Typically, I ask your hype song, but you gave me your song. But I do have another question about that. Oh, yes. Would you be opposed if we used that as the intro music for your episode? No, I would use it, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, we just like to get permission, you know, before we just go and... Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, you know, if you have your own content, your own music, we like to use that in, for your intro instead of our intro music. Yes. Yeah. Makes it Thank more you. fun. So. And then, awesome. And then at some point, I will, Davis, when I have some when when you make it big and bigger than you already are and you're touring i'm going to send you a dm and be like davis will you hook me up on a deal instead of ten thousand dollars like five thousand for a beat for our intro music <laughs> yeah well you know it's, it's stock sounds you know but um so no i davis really i want to tell you thank you so much um i'm out of questions i know she's going to ask one more but i want to tell you thank you so much for your time uh, talking yeah. Yeah. Talking with us and then allowing us to use your music for the intro and yeah. for your hype video. Yeah. Um, and me and Karina can't decide on which photo to use either. So we're <laughs> just going to use all three. Of them. <laughs> awesome. I love your, your design skills. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> um, so my final question, and I just kind of like to ask, ask this to everybody. And I especially wanted to ask you because you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, you know, when you were talking about, once you're, you know, when you are done and you, you know, you die and what you want to leave behind um, with your music and stuff. And so what I want to know is 
when you are done, when you hang up the mics and and you're you shut off all your social media and all that, what do you want people to remember about you as being Davis? What do you want people to think about and remember about you? I mean, that's a great question. I feel like the version of me that was put on the real world isn't a it's not that it's not me because I think they painted a nice picture of me and both my goods and my my faults and straights. Um, but I do feel like in some ways I get kind of like angry people that watch the show and then they feel like what happened back then is like happening today. They want to like reach mm-hmm. out even though it was 16 or 17 years ago. I mean, I was raised in a very strong Christian family and I really try to embody those principles that you're taught in this, in my music, in my my catalog, the lyrics that I write and in the way I live my life. And I just hope that that is how people remember me as someone who is striving to be like that kind of a person that, you know, that you're taught about in the church. And we're all sinners, as they say, we all fall short, but, you know, trying to choose to do the right thing in every situation. So that's probably how I like to be. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, I actually really, absolutely. really like that. Yeah. Thank you. Davis. Um, once again, thank you so much for your time. And, um, I know you're a very busy man with music and everything else you got going on. Um, if you decide you're going to start watching all stars four or yeah, all stars three, I'm sorry. Um, and you want to hop on with us one weekend and do a recap. Yeah. If you have a free weekend, yeah. feel free to hop on. We like to talk shit about the TV show and, <laughs> and stupid stuff that you do. Talk so stuff, talk shit about stuff we could never do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know. When I want to start watching, I'll reach back. Awesome. Thank you so much. And then I'll be in touch um, as far as when we're going to release. I know Karina Mm -hmm. will reach out um, from the Instagram page, which is actually the name of the podcast. um, And she'll start grabbing all your links to, you know, your songs, anything else you want us to promote. Let us know and we'll start linking all that up. Thank you both. Of course. Thanks so much, Davis. (laughs) Thank you, Davis. Have a great time at your coffee. Oh, thanks. Bye. Bye. Wow. Oh my gosh, yay, that was so much fun. So, I love him. Can I say something? Like Please. I don't remember him being that soft spoken, but he is. It, He's I remember him being very soft spoken, but he see, and this is where it's difficult because obviously like what we see on TV is is edited and yeah, cut down and yeah. sliced and trimmed and everything. I don't remember him um being that like open about everything. Like he was just very well spoken, very yes. open with his answers. Um, I never felt because that's the thing is like, you know, we sit here, we ask these questions and then we're sitting here staring at these people through the screen and just like, mm, right. And that whole time that we're sitting here staring at our guests, you know, I pay attention a lot to body language, um, you know, and just other social cues like tone and the way, you know, speech patterns and stuff like that. And I never once talking to him felt like he was deciding what to say or deciding what not to say. Like it just everything felt very genuine, very authentic. Like he wasn't leaving anything out. He wasn't keeping anything from us. Um, he was just kind of letting us in on on anything that we wanted to ask about. And I really, truly appreciate that because there are times where we'll be interviewing somebody and I'll just notice through their speech patterns and through their tones and stuff that there's something else going on in their mind, but they just don't want to say it out loud and and totally respectable. Um, but I do just love when we get that raw, authentic person in that screen and in the answers. Yeah. No, um, here's my thing is like I didn't know a ton about Davis prior to 
um, talking to him online and then realizing, hey, I should probably do some research and, and catch <laughs> up. Um, but watching him on the duel, too, like kind of really made me admire him because of the way he played the game. Like, and it's the same way like Nehemiah tends to play and and Turbo played the same way, which is a very straightforward, very, look, you're the best. I'm going to go after you. If I can take you out, then so be it. Right. And then, you know, it seems like I don't want to say Davis was naive to the way people play the challenge like Wes, but I almost feel like Davis has a very open heart yes. when it comes to friendship and people. And mm-hmm. and he felt very uh, played by Wes on that. And that's understandable. Um, but with that being said, I mean, God, I'm more interested in his music career than his challenge career. And I'm sorry, guys, I that I didn't are. do justice for the challenge. But Davis is a lot more interesting to me on other levels. And that's but that's the thing, you know, as our listeners, you guys kind of know, like we we're very well aware that as the challenge fandom podcast, we are nowhere near the first challenge fan based podcast to come oh, out and interview challengers. Um, and I know that, Dave, that we're not the first to interview Davis, um, I believe. I'm sure uh, other have. Yeah, there's there's been others. And so but that's the thing is that. We will always touch on the challenge for you guys, but we're always going to try to also bring you guys information and questions and answers for things that other podcasts might not talk about or might not think to talk about. Hopefully we did Davis justice in that area, even though we may not have done the challenge career part justice, especially Inferno 3. I really apologize for that, guys. Um, you know, Rick and I didn't get a chance to rewatch that season. Because completely. it's not on air. And guess but what? You can't it. watch it either because it's not on the air. But we have it. No, we don't. <laughs> oh, God. No, we don't have it. Anyway, yes, we no, do. We, shut up. No, we don't. Anyway, Tony had rewatched Inferno 3 and he, and he was bailed. kind of our... He w- he didn't bail. He, he had bailed. The- oh god, you're he sat. He left us here with the fucking bag. We we just robbed a bank, and now we're sitting out front waiting for our driver. We and guess no- who's not? Guess who's not showing up? Tony, we the fucking no driver. We got no car. We're no sitting car. here holding the bag. <laughs> Fuck. Um. No, but uh. So so. Um, I love you guys. So anyway, um. So Tony wasn't able to make it on. We got our our wires crossed with times and stuff. And so we just, you know, I had his notes, but we didn't get to watch Inferno 3 uh, the way that we should have. So we do apologize for not quite doing that season justice, especially since that was his wrong, long, longest running season. Um, but hopefully the fact that we were not able to completely do the challenge portion justice will, uh, you know, allow us um, some some time to bring Davis back on and, uh, you know, do that portion proper justice in the future, um, you know, and continue to follow his music career because I, I know you guys heard us talking about it in the intro. You guys heard us talking about it in the beginning of the interview, the middle of the interview, and then again at the end of the interview. And here we are talking about it again. Guys, his music is good. We're not really just, good. we're literally not not just saying that because it's Davis like we would you know because we're talking to him and uh, it's not like that go listen to his music it's really good even like Rick said even if that's not necessarily like your go-to style like pop music it's really good you guys it's really good so uh, we're gonna have everything linked below um and we definitely definitely want to keep up with his music career and and keep following this here I'll put it to you guys this way um I told Davis straight up, like, it's not the genre of music I typically listen to, which is like pop slash house, 
you know, type of music, but um, I make all the hype videos or like the promo videos for the, for all of our guests. And I typically ask them, Hey, what song, what hype song, you know, something like that. And uh, when Davis was like, Oh, you can use my music. My first initial thought was like, Oh shit, really? <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, Great. Let, me, <laughs> let me listen to this, see how it is. And then I turned it on. And I was like, Holy shit, this is actually really good. And it works perfect. So with that being said, Davis is phenomenally talented at music. If you guys have not had an opportunity to go check him out, do so and go click that link, go listen to it, give him the plays. And if you have the opportunity and you're in the Nashville area and you need a DJ, there's only one choice. That's Davis. Well, shoot guys. It's anywhere you are. Cause it sounds like he actually traveled. And that was, I, that was why I had asked him earlier, you know, what his situation is. If he just works for like local clubs or if he's open for, or for open booking and travel booking and stuff. Um, so, you know, if you guys need a really good DJ, go check out his work. If you like Davis, you have a wedding or an event coming up, you need a DJ for, you know, hit him up. Um, he travels for, for work. Um, you know, he's, he's got an agent, but you can also go through him directly, but we're going to put everything down in the bottom, including emails and anything we can find, uh, regarding booking him. If you guys are interested in that. So just make sure yet again, like always check the description box down below. It's going to have everything in it. And worst case, you can always, uh, you can always send Davis a, a message on Twitter or IG. He's super responsive and just, just a really cool, easygoing guy. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And with that being said, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to go back to work. <laughs> so um, for all of us here at the Challenge Fandom, even the ones that didn't show up today, fucking Judas's. <laughs> for myself, Ricky Hayes, my beautiful, talented, does everything for this podcast wife, Karina, the fucking boss. Hayes, <laughs> we thank you guys so much for tuning into the Challenge Fandom Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Challengers Unplugged with Davis. If you guys have any questions, concerns, uh, hit us up. If you have any questions that we can't answer, go to Google. Um, and while you're there, rate us five stars. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. It wasn't easy for me. I had to do it.